All right, so I'm Dan Riggler. I think I probably should have started that before, but I'm one of the elders here. I have the privilege of serving on the board and in various places with Rising Above and uh, child of God. First and foremost, that is what I am. I'm a child of God. So I want to jump into today's text, and we're coming out of Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. So last week, Pastor West kind of walked us through doing this, you know, through baptism and, you know, some repentance and belief. And, and I, so I'm just going to read the text here, and then we'll jump in. So after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time was fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew. Simon's brother cast a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately, Jesus called to them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. So, last, last fall, I got to preach my first sermon. After I preached, I then promptly went and took a course on how to preach sermons. So... You guys are in luck. I get to practice some of this stuff. So today I'm going to break this into 13 different themes. No, we're good. Three, three different themes I got out of this. And you guys probably already picked up some of what those are. But we're going to start in verse 15. This is when Jesus is speaking in Galilee. He was sharing the good news. Now we can see this as sharing the gospel today. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now I don't know about you guys. The word repent isn't really a word that I hear outside of this building, outside of my little church circle. You know, I don't really use this word at work, you know, hey man, you, you did this, you should repent of that, right? I, I, don't, I don't use these words. I don't know if you guys do. But Pastor West did a really good example, right? I'm walking this way, sin's going this way. Oh, wrong. I got to go this way, right? I got to turn back from my sin. I got to go away from that. I got to acknowledge it. I got to see forgiveness. You got to turn from it. The word repent found 75 times in the Bible. It's pretty clear this is something we're called to do. In Isaiah 59, 20, the Lord says to his people, I will come to Jerusalem to defend you and to save all of you, all of you that turn from your sins. He's going to save us. Ezekiel 14, 6, Therefore, say, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, and turn away from your idols, and turn your faces from all of your disgusting and vile acts. Ezekiel 18.32, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore repent and live. God doesn't want us to die in our sins. But what happens when I need to repent of a sin that's maybe habitual? I keep coming back to it. I, I, I turn from it, but then I turn back, and I go to it again. So as a parent, I've kind of told my children, you know, when they're fighting, when they're doing something bad, you know, go say sorry and do all this stuff, but then they do it again, maybe again. But when they do that and, and they apologize, they say, you know, your words don't mean anything because you keep doing it. If they meant anything, you wouldn't continue down that path. So it's, it's kind of with that thought, I, I just want to be real here for a minute and park on this thought. I am a sinner. I have sin in my life, and I have habitual sin that I struggle with. I'm saved by grace, not by me. 
But late at night, you know, sometimes when I'm praying, sometimes during the day, I'm trying to repent of my sins, and I hear this voice telling me, you're not really repenting. You know, you keep doing this. You, your actions aren't changing. When these voices enter my head, it really hard, it gets hard to actually try and finish these thoughts of God. I really want to end this, right? Because you're hearing all these negative things. It becomes a cycle. One that unfortunately is going to cloud your mind. I know it clouds mine. And it takes me deeper and deeper into this despair. It can even cause me to question my salvation and the very fact that Jesus died for me. I can tell you guys it's not a good place to be. But there's hope. So Jesus calls us to be like children. And go back to when I was talking about my children. When as their dad, I'm talking with them and I ask them to apologize, I ask them to turn from this, I ask them to make things right. And I look them in the eyes. I believe them. I know they want to change. I know they want to turn from that. And it's sincere. Thing is though, they slip up, they sin, again, just like I do. Romans 7, I love this verse, it's so confusing if you want to try reading it in different translations, but it's for I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. I know what's right and yet I do what's wrong and I know what's wrong and I do what's wrong anyways. But here's the thing, even though my children do the wrong thing and they mess up again and again. I still want them to come to me. I still want them to own it. I still want them to apologize. I still want them to try. And I still forgive them. As much like my children, I need to do the same thing. Our Father in Heaven wants us to do the same thing. Whether it be the first time I sin or the 490th time I sin. I gotta keep coming back to him. But when I allow this voice in my head to tell me, you did it again, you're not really sorry, that's separating me from the grace of God. And that's putting me trying to be a judge. And I'll tell you guys, I'm not a good judge. But don't give up. If instead I act like one of my children, and once again I seek forgiveness, God's gonna provide it for me even if it's the 490th time I come back to him. I don't know, it might be the 491st time I come back to him that I finally get freedom from that. So keep coming back. And Satan would love, kind of an oxymoron, right? Satan loving something, I don't think that goes together, but nothing more than to see us trapped in our sin. He wants us to believe that we can't be forgiven this time. It's kind of like, you know, God says, I can forgive you five times, I can give you 490 times, 491 times, you know what, bud, you didn't figure this out, get out. No, I believe God's bigger than that. But I gotta keep coming back to him. And if you're hearing this and thinking that I'm saying we have a free pass to keep sinning, that's not what I'm saying. This is part of our journey of sanctification. Notice the word journey. It's not like bang, I'm there. People who know me from before I knew Christ, I'm a total different person now. God's been doing a work in me. He's sanctified me. Am I there yet? Not even close. And I never will be until I'm on this other side of this earth and I'm up in heaven with Jesus. And today, maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you of a particular sin. And he's been working on you in that sin. And that's where you need to be focused. 
And maybe tomorrow it's going to be a different sin. And that's where you need to focus. The Holy Spirit will lead you and he will convict you of your sin and what you need to be working on. And will Jesus forgive you? Absolutely. And does he want you to move past this sin? Absolutely. I want you guys to hear this. God wants us to be with him. And he wants us to restore us. He wants us to repent and believe. Now the word believe, 249 times that's mentioned in, in the Bible. So I mean repent, that's a lot of times. 249 times, that's a lot. The book of John alone uses it 94 times. So I think we need to listen. This is a belief. We need to do this. But it's believing in Jesus doesn't just mean I believe in the man named Jesus. There's religions all across the world that believe in Jesus. There's historians that believe in Jesus. They do not call him Lord and Savior. We need to believe in him. We need to believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. He was born and he lived his life sinless. He died on a cross for our sins. But he didn't stay there. He was resurrected for us so that we could be united through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, with God together. Believing in Jesus means you accept that forgiveness. You can't hold it on and say, no, no, Jesus did this, but I can't, I can't be forgiven. I've gone too far. It doesn't work that way. You've got to believe Jesus forgave you. John 3.16 is probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible, the most often quoted. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And see, this is God's grace. His gift, his love, what he did while we were still sinners. He died for us, each one of us. John 3, 17 is probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It says he did not come to condemn us, but to save us. Satan comes to condemn, Jesus comes to give us freedom. John 3.18 continues by saying, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You want salvation, friends? That's it. Believe in Christ. Accept that. So now when the voices in my head keep telling me I'm never going to change or I can't be forgiven, I've gone too far, I need to realize those words are from the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't give the enemy the freedom to steal your peace and grace for which such a high price was paid. Rest in the truth that Jesus came to save you, not, con to, not to condemn you. He loves you and will forgive you, but we've got to keep coming back to him. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that the rewards, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You guys see the pursuit here? We've got to earnestly seek Jesus as well. It's not just a, hey man, I believe in you and, you know, leave it to that. We've got to be engaged in this relationship. We've got to keep following John 20, 27. Then he said to Thomas, this is Jesus speaking, put your finger in here, my nail-pierced hand. Reach out your hand and put it in my side where I was pierced by the spear. Stop doubting and believe. 
Jesus is calling us. God is calling us. The Holy Spirit is calling us not to condemn us, but to save us. It's personal, and it's for each one of us. And if you're here and you're doubting any of this, go back to what Jesus told Thomas. Feel his scar, his pierced hands. Feel his side. Believe. So normally I'd start a service. Normally I've only, this is only my second time, but normally we would have started with prayer. But I intentionally wanted to kind of pause here to pray as just a bit of a reflection. That if you guys are sitting here and you've got a little bit of sin in your life, you've got something you need to repent of, I want to give you an opportunity to repent of that so that it's going into the rest of the message unhindered by what might be having Satan block. But I also want an opportunity, if you're sitting in here and maybe you haven't made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, now's as good a time as any. So I'm just going to give you guys a couple, like a minute, you know, just work it out with God. Then I'll have a little prayer and then we'll carry on. God, I just want to thank you for your word this morning already. I thank you that you died on the cross for us, Jesus. That you call us to repent, you call us to believe. And that we would do just that. God, if I repent of the sins and the wrongs of my life. Help me to turn from those. I thank you that you continue bringing me back. And we pray for those that maybe don't know you, that uh, God, you grab hold of their hearts. And they would meet you today. And just open our ears for your word. We just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the second point of today's sermon is follow me. As Jesus continued sharing the good news, he saw Simon and Andrew casting them into the sea. He simply said, follow me. Jesus was recorded as saying, follow me 23 times. And I kind of found it interesting as I, as I was studying this, the response of people throughout. And I'm going to read this passage again. Follow me, Jesus told them and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. They left their nets, their businesses, to follow Jesus. They didn't even stop. It doesn't even say that they stopped to think about it. They just immediately, they did this. They didn't think about the cost, the practicalities, you know, who's going to look after my house, who's going to cut my grass, any of that stuff, right? They just did it. Luke 5.27 records when Levi... Some translations will say Matthew, the same, same person. The tax collector was called to be Jesus' disciple. Jesus called him, hey, you know, come follow me. That very moment, Matthew gets up and follows Jesus. Now, I've got to admit, I'm kind of awestruck at these verses. These people who just drop everything. Moments notice, and that scares me. If I'm being real, that scares me. I don't know that I'd be able to follow like that. Just go. Matthew 19 talks of a rich young man who is questioning Jesus. What do I got to do to have eternal life? 
Jesus told him, keep the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. Love your neighbor as yourself. The young man tells him, I'm doing all these things. Totally doing them. What do I still lack? Jesus responds to him, go and sell everything. Give to the poor. When you've done that, you'll have your treasure in heaven. Now come and follow me. Now this rich young man couldn't do it. He left. He left sad because he was rich and he had many things. He couldn't give them away. Jesus responds, it's going to be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. It'll be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. You see, following Jesus is not about following rules. This guy was following all the commandments. He's following all the rules. And it wasn't enough. It's following Jesus. It's what he's done for us. So we need to be willing to go where God, where Jesus calls us to be. Luke 9.57, you see Jesus challenging people who say are his followers. So as they're going down this road, one of them says to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Jesus says to him, the foxes have holes. The birds in the sky have nests, but the son of man's head has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. The response was, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. Jesus says to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as far, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first permit me to go and say goodbye to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. The calling to follow Jesus is immediate. It's not when it suits our will. It's not when we're ready for it. It's not when I think, you know, I'm at a place in life I can do this. It is now that he's asking us. And it's going to cost us everything. It's going to disrupt our lives. It's going to challenge us. You're going to have people who think that you're, you're crazy, you've lost it. You know, like, why would you sell your business? Why would you give that vehicle away? Why would you do this? Why would you go help that poor person? Why would you go to that person you don't even know? The world is going to look at us differently. They're going to think we've lost our minds, and that's okay. Luke 9, 24. This is Jesus talking. It says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it for my sake. This is the one who will save it. For what good does it do a person if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? So to take up the cross is really to accept the rejection of the world because the world is going to look at us funny. It means that we follow what Jesus is asking you. It might be your time, your resources. It might be yourself. It might be releasing one of your children off to ministry. Now, several years ago, I felt called to start walking with the 12-foot cross. And I'll tell you guys right now, that took me over a year to come to terms with what God was asking me to do because I didn't want to do it. I did not do the follow him immediately part on this. I didn't understand why he was asking me to do this. 
but I knew I was supposed to. So when I finally come around to doing it and sharing the vision with others as, as we prayed about it, I was mixed with a large range of responses. I had people encourage me. I had people pray for me. I had people mock me. I had people laugh at me. I had people say rude and discouraging things. I had people think that I'm crazy. And you know what? I had all of those things from the body of believers, not just from outside the world. I remember when I put a wheel on it to help make walking a little bit easier and having people tell me I'm cheating. They'd tell me Jesus didn't have a wheel. Well, newsflash, I'm not Jesus. Thing is, though, when Jesus calls you to follow, he doesn't say this has to be a hard thing, this has to be burdensome, this has to be laborsome. He calls us to follow, and he'll put things and people and ways to make life easier to follow him. I didn't have to carry that on my own. I didn't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. In fact, Jesus kind of tells us the opposite, doesn't he? He tells us, take upon his yoke and learn from him. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So that wheel that ended up, you know, people making fun of me and criticizing me for, ended up being a daily reminder. Every, every walk I went, it's not me carrying this. I got Jesus with me and he can do this for me. When I've looked at other things in life, when I feel God's calling me into things, it's a reminder, this isn't on me. I got Jesus and he's going to do this. It's also opened up opportunity to share the gospel. When Jesus is calling us to follow him, we're often not going to see the big picture. And I know I rarely do. But we can rest assured, if we take upon his yoke and learn from him, it's going to be a whole lot easier, and it's not going to be burdensome. So point number three that I want to make in this message here Jesus said he's going to make us fishers of people. So now by a show of hands, how many people here fish at some level? I almost think first service had more. But uh, So anybody notice I didn't put my hands up? I don't fish. I've never been good at it. I've never really enjoyed it. But now we're going to pull up a picture here. Maybe. That's the kind of fishing I can get. So this is my son, Riley. Now, this is actually, a number of years ago, we used to do these men's fishing events, right? We'd go on these little fishing weekends. And I set out, I don't like to fish, but you know what? I can fish for men, and I wanted to fish for my children that weekend. I wanted my children to know who God is. And today's actually pretty special. He's not in the room right now, but today's his 14th birthday. And what I love about this little guy, he has a heart for Jesus. He will follow Jesus. If God tells him, give your money away, he gives his money away. Now, he tries, try, tries me more than any of my kids ever have. I mean, he pushes the buttons, and I mean, when we talk about the sin and we talk about coming back and, you know, forgiveness, he gets it. But he gets what it means to follow Jesus. That weekend, we were fishing for the hearts of men. We wanted to know men, know Jesus closer. So to all of you guys, people who fish, I'm sure you would admit there's probably some skill required in fishing. If you want to catch something, you probably need to know what type of fish you might be going for, what part of the body of water you need to go to. You might need to know what type of hook you need to use, maybe even what type of time of day you need to go out. 
And I would imagine it requires some effort. But note the text references nets. It's another way of catching fish. So going back to me not being a fisherman, I do have an idea of what is required to cast and drill something in. I also have a good idea of what's required to throw a net and pull a net back in. And that net takes significantly more work. I also know that if I'm looking, if I'm going to go fishing, I probably want to look at where I'm fishing at. Where's my fishing hole, right? Typically, you probably want to go somewhere, maybe a few less people, maybe one that hasn't been fished as often, maybe one of the backwoods off the beaten path. You know, maybe you probably don't want to go somewhere that everyone else is there. But when the body of followers of Jesus, he'll show us where he wants us to fish. The type of net or hook, the time. The thing is, though, is if we're not going out fishing, who's going to catch those fish? When I was writing the sermon, I had two different thoughts kind of parallel thoughts going through my head as I started writing it. The first thought was, what did you expect? When I started reading this text, it was, what did you expect? You know, fishing's hard work. It's not going to be easy. Following Jesus is definitely not easy. You know, this is not for the light and faint-hearted, but it's worth it. The other train of thought that it kept coming back was you have a choice. And today, we're faced with a choice. We have a choice, we can repent and believe, or not. And I don't want to understand, understate this point. This decision is yours. Jesus made it pretty clear. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you haven't made this decision to follow Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, don't put it off. We got today, we got right now, we got this moment here. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. You don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. Don't wait. We have a choice if we want to follow Jesus or not. You can see people made the decision to walk away Jesus from, from Jesus when he called them to follow, right? You can see people who only followed Jesus because of what he could do for them. When they fed the 5,000, when they fed the 4,000, you know, when they had all this food, everybody's coming together. All of a sudden, the food's gone. Where did the people go, right? But look at the others who's decided, made that decision. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to drop everything, and I'm going to follow Jesus today. I'm going to do this now. They walked with Jesus. And now, they're in eternity with him. I don't want to draw a, a little parallel to the, to the apostles, to the disciples, right? You had 12, and we're going to knock it down to 11 because Judas kind of went astray. But you take the 11 who actually did follow along. 10 of those disciples didn't live a life of luxury and, and you know, just easy work and all that stuff. You know what? They got killed. Their life wasn't easy. They died as martyrs. And I could guarantee if you asked any of them, it was a life worth living. The 11th one died in prison. Following Jesus is going to cost you. And don't be surprised if the world rejects you, laughs at you, they make fun of you. If they doubt you, 
The world rejected Jesus first. But don't worry, it'll be repaid. In Luke 18, 28, Peter said, Behold, we have left our, ta- left our homes and followed you. And Jesus' response to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will, receive, who will not receive many times as much at this time as the age to come in eternal life. What we give up now is going to be repaid tenfold in eternity. We have a decision if we're going to become fishermen. It's also a commandment. But we ultimately have a choice if we're going to follow it or not. Now, if I go back to the illustration of fishing with a net, casting that net is going to take effort. But don't give up. There's going to be times when that net's going to return empty. But don't give up. There's going to be times that net is torn and it's going to need some mending. It's going to take work. But don't give up. There's going to be times you're trying to pull that net in, it's going to pull you in the water and you're going to get dirty. Don't give up. Fishing is going to take effort, significant effort. But the rewards are eternal. And if you're sitting here watching online as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, chances are it's because Jesus compelled one of his followers to put in the effort of sharing the good news with you. They planted seeds, casted line, they dropped a net, and they didn't give up. And because of that, you now have a chance at eternal life with Christ. And I want to personally say thank you. There's a lot of people in my life who come around, who cast their nets around me, who dropped hooks around me, who planted seeds, and they never gave up. And because of that, I got saved. I've been spared the death that I deserve. And I want to encourage those who are following Jesus and the calling in their life. Keep it up. Good job. I know it's hard. But the rewards are worth everything. So where are you at today? Perhaps maybe you're wondering who is this Jesus guy? You know, there's people we would love to share who Jesus is with you on a deeper level. Maybe you're kind of wondering, you know, do I, do I really want to believe in him? You know, you haven't come to that. Keep asking those questions. Maybe you're asking, do I want to follow him? Do I want to give everything up? Do I want to do all this? And I'm going to tell you guys, he's not telling you today, go sell your business. I'm not going to tell you that. But if the Holy Spirit moves you to do that, you need to do that. You've got to follow what he's asking in your life. Have I sensed a calling for me to follow him? How have I been responding to this calling? Did I respond immediately, like some? Or did I walk away, like others? Do you have a fishing hole? Or do you need to find one? Are you ready to make a commitment to believe? to follow, and then to go fishing? Let's pray. Father God, just help us to, to repent and believe. Help us to want to have that desire to follow you.
lead us in that where you want our fishing hole to be. I pray a blessing, God, over all those who have been doing this, your faithful servants who have been doing this, and we just encourage them to continue. And I pray for the new who, are, who this is challenging, and God, it's tough knowing what you're, what you're asking and being able to have that faith to believe. So I just pray that you would empower them with your Holy Spirit just to, to have that courage to step out in faith, to say, I believe, and I want to follow you. I just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Dan, I want to just thank you for both inspiring and challenging us to repent, believe, and fish. Very practical, very very real. Thank you so much. Hey, um, just a couple of things I want to just touch on before we close this morning. The first one is uh, next week on Sunday. Between our two services, we are going to be having a congregational meeting, and that is for members. So if you are a member, uh, it'll be at 10.30 between the services, and uh, we, we need you to be there if you at all possibly can. We are going to be having, uh, it's our nomination committee election meeting, and so it's not a very long meeting. It's usually only about 15 minutes long. So please put that on your calendar. Be here at 10.30 in the morning. And, uh, and then uh, lastly, uh, as we close with every one of our services, we just want to, we close with an invitation that uh, we will have people up at the front here available to pray together with you. If there's something you want to pray for, pray about, if there's somebody you want to pray for, or if it's for yourself, um, we're, we're available, and we just invite you to come on down and to, to pray. And so I just want to close in reading uh, a verse in closing from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And Paul wrote this. He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that that'll be part of your week. Have a wonderful week.